Oh, it's your favorite time of the week. All your work is done, and it's time to relax. So come, grab some friends, and let's get lit and join the rotation. You are now in the rotation with Suncoast Normal. We are your host, your Suncoast Normal Executive Board, and we say it's time to legalize it. Well, good afternoon, and good. it is Sunday of Codependence Day here over here in Florida. A lot of people like to call it Independence Day, but uh, I don't. We are independent from England, but uh, I think everything else is all a matter of codependence. So we're, I'm calling it Codependence Day, and uh, that's all there is to it. <laughs> and it's also a very good day to jump into the rotation. Okay, now that we've gotten through our, our logo here, which I guess is still standing for this week, you're still working on a new logo? What am I doing? You working on a new logo? I, I'm not working on a new logo. I'm working on a new backdrop. Okay, a new backdrop. And right. like I'm throwing around ideas. It's not like I've started working on it yet. Like I'm just kind of, yeah. I was, well, I, the most I've gone is like, what do you guys think about getting rid of the passing of the joint thing? It's taking too much space and it's not giving <laughs> enough information. <laughs> yeah, we, should be, we should be passing a joint back and forth between the boxes here, but we're, we're, we'll work on that later on. Whereas, which way? Here? Yeah, in the meantime, let, let's go ahead and introduce ourselves. First off, my name is uh, Gary Stein. I am the political director for Suncoast Normal and the master of public health out of our trio of masters here. To my right, your left, is Carlos. I, I am not uh, male chimp. Ermita, <laughs> we we've gotten rid of male chimp. They got they got rid of us. So I we're, am not a male chimp, and I have no god. We are, <laughs> yeah. He, he's the official atheist of the group and the official master of business administration. Since we know that cannabis has <clears throat> health aspects as well as business aspects. And speaking of health aspects, first off, I should also note. Sorry about that. Is that you'll notice that uh, our executive director is not here today. Uh, Chris is actually in yes, Maine. I think he's Maine. actually stumping for but, Paula Page. Believe it or not, when I got in and I'm like messing with the lights and like I'm turning the computer on and everything, he logged in for a second to say what's up to me. And he wanted to show off that he had a fucking uh, he just left the dispensary and had like a bottle of Keith Cola and like all these joints and like, yeah. And, you know, it's rubbing it in my face, you know, Living, living, <laughs> living the, the main life. Well, we got Dustin Sulak up there. He's probably one of the best cannabis doctors in the country. So hopefully he doesn't spend some time to get there. Either that or, like I say, he's probably stumping for Paula Page. But that's another thing altogether. <clears throat> but in the secret square, this time to our right, we have the, the host of the Dr. David uh, podcast, pediatrician David Berger. How are you doing today, David? All right. It's good to see you. How are you doing? Very good. We, we keep in contact every once in a while. I know that uh, when we had some testimony we had to do uh, to help create the rules and regulations for uh, juvenile use of cannabis, uh, David wrote an excellent letter, which we gave to all the, the representatives, and it really had an impact. But it is good to know that we, we have physicians that are active in, uh, in trying to form the rules and regulations, because that is a lot of things that especially the legislators have no concept of. And that is in regards to how cannabis actually acts on kids or in, in both positive and negative ways. And that, that, that's one of the topics that I want to bring up to you right away. We all are constantly having rules and regulations saying nobody under 21. Do you think that's a good rule or a bad rule in regards to a medical program? <laughs> well, you know, 
certainly, you know, thankfully with the way that the law is that we're, we do have that latitude, I can, I certainly understand why there would be more restrictions, uh, more regulations put on a pediatric population than there would be on an adult population. And certainly when, you know, when the legislation was being written back in 2015, 2016, and just knowing how easily legislators can totally miss the mark and screw things up, uh, you know, kind of we, you know, recognizing also legislators are legislators and government is government. So the fact that they actually gave us a program that's workable, you know, not the perfect system, but something that I as a physician can really do a lot with. I mean, I, it came out better than I thought it would, to tell you the truth. Uh, yeah, we, we, could, we could have gotten much worse. But now we're getting to the fact that we are trying to creep towards a recreational program. Now, we have actually seen in various states that once they do initiate a adult use program, which I'd rather call it as opposed to a recreational program, that teen use actually goes down. And uh, but, but, the, but the basic thing we're getting from a lot of legislators are if we do have an adult use, kids are going to get it anyway. And so therefore, we're opening up the door to more juvenile use. Now, quite frankly, a lot of, a lot of times we've seen exactly the opposite. But right now, kids... <laughs> I'm sorry to say this to legislators, they can get access to it pretty damn easily right now. Mm-hmm. There's, there's always a guy in the corner and they have no problem not asking for ID. Yeah, and let's face it, that's been that way since we were kids too. So, you know, you know, so so people who want access to it, but you know, the fact that people can get, you know, consistent product, safe product, tested products um through the through the program is such an advantage, especially for me when you know I'm trying to treat things therapeutically to have a patient be able to be able to get the same strength and the same strain of, of a product that works for them. You know, I, I kind of you know what I tell a family or when I'm talking to families about about this, it's kind of like, well, yes, your friend may have a, a well-intentioned, your son may have, a, or daughter may have a well-intentioned friend um, who takes care of things for them. But at the same time, the likelihood that they're going to get the exact same product every time, um, you know, to me that would be kind of like walking into a pharmacy and saying, hey, you know what, we're we're at a Zoloft today. You want some Paxil instead, you know, which of course <laughs> would be a patently ridiculous comment and quite illegal. Um, but you know, that's what happens on the street, you know. And, and and if you're lucky, you get a clean product. So, you know, that's the nice thing about it is that you know if a family knows that they need nine pound hammer in order to get their kid to sleep and they know that they can that that they need um this you know two inhalations because they're able to do that or or whether they're doing indigo so that they can they know they just need to take five drops or a quarter of an edible or a full edible we, we can be very consistent that way just the way that i can with pharmaceuticals yeah and that is a, an issue that my father who was a pharmacist was always concerned about in the 1970s, when they first started it with the generic laws that allowed companies to make generic products of, of name brand products that had been around for, for 100 years. And that is, if they change the, uh, the dispersal agent or if they change the filler, it may, it, it may cause you to uh, you know, pass Carnuba wax uh, tablets straight through your body and they go out the way they came in and absolutely no medicine goes into the body. But I think we have gotten a little bit better in regards to our generics. Grant you, we can't pick which generic we want when we go into the pharmacy. It's basically whatever their dis- distributor gets to them. But do you have any issues in regards to uh, generics and medications? And would that make and would that fold over to to cannabis if if they claim that they all have the exact same strain? Yeah. So you know, from a prescription perspective. Um, you know, and actually, we are able. You know, there, there are. I do have patients who have found one particular generic work better than the other, and I'm allowed to request that particular generic brand. Um, you know, and and pharmacies will usually be able to get them, which is kind of nice. But you know, obviously, there's the issue both in terms of cost. You know, if it's a, you know, different tiers on people's insurance companies, and you know, something that would maybe a $10 copay versus a $100 copay, and that could make a, a big difference for people. So the way that I kind of look at it is, you know, I'm I'm in very close contact with my patients. You know, we as a smaller practice and we do a lot of follow up patients can get a hold of us um, directly. So following up, how is this working for you? Is this doing the intended purpose? Do we need to make some adjustments there along the way? Um, You know, so but the overwhelming majority of people are using generics at this point anyway. So it's kind of a it's kind of a rare bird that people get the brand. I mean, I'm, I'm allowed to write for it. I'm allowed to write brand name only if people want it. 
But uh, in terms of on the cannabis side of things, you know, we know that even from company to company and like we know that not necessarily a nine pound hammer strain here is going to be the same at, at one dispensary is going to be the same as another or in a different state because we know, you know, growing mechanisms, nutrition of the plants, et cetera, can certainly change around some of, you know, some of the minor con constituents. You know, I tell people, you know, a milligram of THC is a milligram of THC. It's everything else that's going on in the plant that makes one that makes a difference and can have a very different effect on people. Yeah, and we have uh, Kevin Sabet over at the University of Florida. Uh, I, I don't know why he's in the medical group because he's not. But he, <laughs> but he, he constantly puts out the idea that we can't possibly use this as medicine because we can't dose it exactly as we do medicine right now. And so therefore, what they need to do is take the plant. They need to deconstruct it down to the individual molecules and then synthesize them and then put them out as pills with, a, for instance, an exactly 25 milligram capsule of THC with nothing else in it except for fillers and dispersals. Yeah, that sounds like a brilliant idea. I don't know why. Yeah, why am I doing that already? Um, you know, <laughs> Mother, Mother Nature gave us this plant with all these constituents in it for a reason. Um, you know, but you know, and we've done such a great job as humans beating Mother Nature, right? You know, this time and time again, we're, we're doing a fantastic <laughs> job of that. Uh, and so, um, yeah, have faith in the plant. Have faith in the earth. I mean, obviously when you know these very high level botanists at these dispensaries they know what they're doing and the fact that they can be testing something and let's face it if something has let's say if something has a 25 milligram capsule for instance and it has 24 milligrams in it or 26 milligrams which is about as far off as you'll see it i don't really know that, that that's much of a clinical difference and if you look at generics if if my memory is correct a generic only has to be like within 80 or 90 percent of what it actually says anyway so there's not the exact precision that's going on with those either and then there are also a difference in absorption rates in, in, in between uh, products and also have in regards to interactions with other medications you're currently taking. In terms of pharmaceuticals, you mean? Yeah, as far as absorption rate. Yeah, certainly. I mean, obviously, you know, when they make generics, they do try to match it, all the other stuff to it. So as far as all the other constituents to it, they do really try to match it up because, you know, a product becomes generic after they've been brand named for a long enough period of time that it kind of it loses their grandfathering kind of clause out. They kind of they kind of age out of that, if you will. So a lot of medicines, I mean, I, I don't find that much of a difficult. Certainly, you know, in my practice as a holistic doctor, I don't use a ton of, of pharmaceutical medications. I, you know, cannabis is a wonderful <laughs> herb. I use many different natural substances and herbs and vitamins and minerals and amino Very acids cool. as part of my daily practice. Um, and so, you know, but certainly if I need to put somebody on an asthma breathing treatment or if I need to put somebody on an antibiotic, they seem to work pretty darn well, just as well as a brand name. And, as, you know, it's very rare that I have an issue with that. So, Dr. Berger, let me let me ask you, um, and, and this might be somewhat controversial. Um, as, so uh, you're you're a pediatrician. You're you know, you're all about medical marijuana for the for the kids. Right. Um, I have a couple of questions. First off, um, you know, all these studies about brain development and giving kids uh, cannabis and how, uh, you know, I started smoking weed when I was 17. So, like, I'm fine. I'm obviously smart, even though I smoke weed. But um, there's, there's all these studies that have come out saying that brain development's hindered um, when you start smoking cannabis uh, at a young age. Do you have any comments on that? or? Yep. Yeah, so that that's definitely a concern. You know, what I mean, like, you know, I just did a little re review, even in terms of during, you know, use during pregnancy. You know, I, I work with adults as well as children. Um, even though, from mm -hmm. what I've been told, I've certified more children in the state of Florida than anybody. But I do see a lot of adults also, and there comes pregnant women, etc. And so I just did a little review about the effects, um, the research, and in, in, in terms of, you know, on the on the fetus and then in the child afterwards. And there's concerns there. What, pe what I think people don't realize is we're not just, you know, I mean, first of all, a parent has to be a caregiver. It has to get the whole authorization. It's not like some teenager can just walk into my practice and say, hey, I want some weed. Will you certify me? That's not how it goes. Until you're 18 years old, that's not your call. That's your parent's call. OK, mm -hmm. so first of all, there's a there's a there's a, a filtering there, if you will, from, from the parents, because the parents out not only are the, have to sign off for it, but they're the ones who have to purchase it and give it to the child. So it's not like a kid can just walk into the dispensary with a card and just get whatever they want either. So but is there a concern about brain development and, you know, brains are even developing until age 22 or so? There is. Here, here's the thing. It's like from what I know about cannabis and from what I know about cannabinoid receptors and how cannabinoids interact with those cannabinoid receptors and what those receptors do to the body. Um, 
I, I would assume, you know, I, then again, I'm assuming, but you know, I would assume <laughs> that it would help brain development in young kids. Like from what I know about cannabis and what I know about the studies that I've seen about cannabis, uh, and this is where it gets controversial. It gets controversial, honestly, from my point of view, right? I see those videos of kids smoking blunts and that outrages people. And I'm like, cool, that's probably helping the kid develop. You know, um, I don't know, like, is, is, am I wrong in thinking that? Or are like, we, are we delving into <laughs> Terrence yeah. McKenna? Well, like, 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 uh, you I've know, seen and, no and research. To, to pre preference that, right? Like, I've never given an eight-year-old kid a blunt and been like, here, kid, that'll help you grow up. You know, I've never, <laughs> that'll put some hair on your chest. I've never done that, you know. Um, but, um, you know, from what I know about ca cannabis and what cannabis does to the body, and even, like, thinking about, like, that study that, that happened in Jamaica where those pregnant women were consuming cannabis uh, while they were pregnant and it did nothing to the development of the children, right? I, I mean, I would assume that that kids consuming cannabis would help them become better adults. Well, first of all, as a physician, I mean, there, I, I've seen no research that shows that 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 is so. And there is there are there is research that I've seen that, that shows to the op that that shows to the opposite in terms of attention and focus and um, visual spatial. There there have there have been some things there, but but really, you know, the young children that I am certifying for cannabis are almost exclusively kids who either have autism or who have epilepsy or some mm -hmm. form of seizure disorder okay so um and by far autism i would say number one i mean i've given and some cancer kids as well um the youngest I, that i've i've certified was 18 months of age on a child with brain cancer that we needed it for um you know in order for to help them through their chemo and their post chemo state etc um but i have a lot of three five seven year old children with autism and what people don't realize is that this is not the first place parents turn this is usually the last option so the mm -hmm. kids who have uh, you know who either the parents don't want to put their kids on an antipsychotic medication because there's only two medications that are formally approved fda approved for autism itself which are antipsychotic medications one called risperidol and one called debilify which can have some significant side effects as well they're very high powered medications and of course a lot of kids who have um autism have been put on things like the ritalins and the adderalls and have been put on the the anti-anxiety medications like the zoloft and the paxils and the prozacs so you know and if and if, and if that works for them great most of the time the patient who come to me is because it didn't, okay? And we have kids who are irritable all day long. They're not educatable, or especially as they get a little bit older and puberty starts kicking in and they get big and they become violent. Yeah. We hear, you know, attacking their parents, um, yeah. attacking teachers, completely not being able to focus in school or this, anything like that. So that's what, we're, that's what we're using to, it I'm for. I'm sorry to stop you, but that that's a big problem, you know, especially in single moms with kids with autism. That's the, the autistic child develops and sometimes becomes bigger than the mother. And that condition, there, there's times when you get in that, you know, I've had, I've been, I've had my ass kicked by a couple of 13 year olds with autism because, you know, the mother calls me in the middle of the night and it's like, I'm trying to stop him from hanging from the ceiling fan. I, I'm trying to stop him from hurting himself. And he's like pulled knives on out on me and I don't want to yeah. call the cops. You know what I mean? Like you got to help me. You know what I mean? Like yeah. this, it, it's a big problem, you know? It's a and, big problem. And, yeah. and, and I will tell players? you. Yes. How, how much it helps these kids. I mean, I don't throw the word miracle around very often, but I've seen miraculous things happen with cannabis in these children, making them calm, educatable, not need to be institutionalized, keeping families together. You know, children, families with children with autism, their divorce rate is significantly higher than the than than the general rate because of the amount of stress that it brings to these families and their inability to cope. So, I mean, we're keeping kids in the home, we're keeping families together, where you know, where you know, the safety of their siblings. You know, that's another thing. You know. A bigger kid yeah. can, can easily attack a younger kid. But and one of the more interesting things, I mean, I have time and time again where the parents will say to me, my kid focuses better. My mm. kid's learning better. My kid's learning the skills that they need better, faster. And this happens with the cannabis all the time. And another really interesting thing, though, is that it doesn't – most of the kids that we use THC on with autism, they don't act stoned. 
they don't act high. They, they're more with it. They're more together. They're more social. They're more, you know, together with everything. Yeah. And that's one of the things that I think people don't realize. And, you know, I know that Mnuchin in Israel had uh, several years ago um, had actually did a study where they measured the endocannabinoids in children with autism compared to children um, to neurotypical children and children with autism had lowered uh, lower amounts of the endocannabinoids than did the neurotypical children and so what i'm wondering is if the cannabinoids for these kids maybe are they're almost like a replacement therapy just like you wouldn't want to give insulin to somebody who has good insulin levels you'll you'll screw them up you'll give them you'll you'll drive their blood sugar low but if you don't have enough insulin and you bring their levels up then they're functioning much better and so i'm i wonder if the plant-based cannabinoids in the children with autism are filling in a blank and getting them into a more normative really you know cannabinoid balancing system so that homo that homeostasis can kick homeostasis, in the way yeah, that it does yeah, yeah. I wonder because uh, obviously autism. One of the things it does is it has, is it's a uh, degree of overstimulation. They 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 can't, they can't uh, dissociate all the different stimuli that, that come in there. Everything seems louder and and brighter, and, and and too much movement and things of that sort. And I see kids with ADHD and they have similar situations in regards to they bring they, they create their own stimulation that, that that keeps them from being straight. But I've also seen kids who have become Ritalin zombies. Mm -hmm. Essentially, walking into the classroom and their grades drop, but they're but they're not acting out as much. Obviously, there there's there's some kind of line that we can draw there to help those with autism and those with ADHD uh, actually do better in the classroom. And uh, what do you think about that? Yeah, well, I mean, they clearly do. They clearly do, and of course, you know, the classroom setting is a little bit of a challenge because of the of the ability to give it in schools. You know, so that's where I do things that you know talk about things like patches for these families where they can, you know, have a have a sustained release type of um, of system for them. You know, before the pandemic, the schools were all supposed to have in place a rule where the parents could come onto campus and then they could give it because up and because they would otherwise they'd have to like sign their kids out of school, drive them off of campus, administer their cannabis to them and drive them back and sign them back into school. And so there was supposed to be this mechanism that was supposed to be in place. It was supposed to go in place that January, COVID hit that January. Uh, and I realized the health department then decided they had bigger things that they had to deal with, which they did. But that, you know, so that mechanism of even giving it. So, I mean, I have families who will give their kid a dose to go to school, but not every parent can get into the classroom. You know, parents work, parent, you know, some of my kids on the spectrum, they, they, they go to schools much further away than their local schools because they have to go to a school where they're going to best be educated educated and not everybody can get to that so that becomes a problem so you know i have yeah. families who kids do better in the morning than they do in the afternoon yeah we don't have a, a, a true dispensing system that allows nurses to become caregivers uh for eight hours out of the day and that's part of the problem with the, with the rules and regulations in regards to that like, you have to give caretakership uh right. to, to, and, to the nurses and things of that sort and, now, and, and, and right now that's not allowed because they're only allowed to have two caregivers. And so if each parent becomes a caregiver and you're not allowed to be a caregiver for multiple people. So that's where the nurses are. And let's face it, if the nurses are allowed to give out controlled substances such as Ritalin and such as Adderall, you know, then this is, you know, and I know we'll talk a little more about controlled substance as a whole. But, you know, so obviously the, the, the nurses are qualified to hand a pill out. Right. It's going to, you know, and it's not like it's just showing up, not that, not that the nurse is going to the dispensary and deciding which pan, which pot product they're going to give to the kids. This is something that the parents are giving to them just like they would for any other medication. Now, uh, Randy Fine, who's a, a senator from South Florida, or, I'm sorry, a, a representative from South Florida, he and I have, have, have locked horns a couple of times. And he's he's the poster child for letting everybody know that not all Jews think alike. <laughs> but uh, basically, <laughs> when when I was out there giving out the agenda for for Suncoast Normal, he asked me. He said, "Do you believe that it is appropriate for kids to be smoking their medicine at school?" And yes. I, I I came went to him and I said, "Well, well and this is not this is when I was testifying, you know, at the at the, the the podium and all that bit." I said, "Well, first off, you should remember that we have a law." It states that there is no smoking on the campus of schools. So that regardless of whether it's a cigarette or whether it's a joint, it wouldn't make any difference. But secondly, as far as the uh, illnesses that are treated in kids, generally they are not even being smoking issues, but more along the lines of capsules or tinctures or things of that sort. And so therefore that is something that a nurse can give to it in a controlled, in a controlled manner. So that shouldn't be an issue in the first place. He got very angry at me about that because he obviously <laughs> had the agenda of wanting to say that normal wants kids to smoke pot at school. 
Have you well, ever? It's, that's it's why ridiculous. I in, in that it's ridiculous because kids. Just... Well, first of all, nobody is allowed to get flour to smoke under eighteen anyway. <laughs> so that so it's a complete it's a it's a complete moot point. Now, could we talk? Now, do I have some some of my children who do vape? Absolutely. And you know, as I explained as part of my education with families, you know, when you give your kid an oral, you have to figure plus or minus an hour to kick in. You know, the beauty of inhaled is that it's working within two minutes, three minutes. And so some of my very aggressive children or some, you know, some of my children who are, you know, they need the parent may need to make a stop at a store. And that unexpected change could be enough to throw off a child or a visitor's coming or they have to go somewhere to a doctor and they're going to all of a sudden have a meltdown. Well, you know, there is nothing I have found in the world better than reversing that terrible, um, that, that kind of terrible effect that some of my children with autism would have than having them inhale. I mean, I have families, the moms will in the car, they'll just, okay, we, we have to go into the store now. I know we weren't Seriously. planning on it. Here's a couple of hit, a couple of puffs off of a vape pen and it works great. Yeah. Right. And, you know, so. Now, I think and that's I do, amazing. I think you're doing your job as a doctor by, you know, recommending such, such therapies. Yeah. I and think even that educating them I mean, how meter dose inhalers. I mean, the fact that you know, you know what what nurse can't couldn't administer an asthma puffer. We do that, right? One of the dispensaries has that. It's in right away. This kid, this kid waiting twenty minutes for a or or uh, an hour, or two hours for an edible to take effect is going to be hell for that that kid. It's going to be hell for that parent. Like, yeah. I think it's a, it's an amazing, it's a, it's an amazing thing that we can do just saying, Hey, take a few hits off of this vape pen. And, you know, before we even have vaping, you know, smoking, you know, we could have given the kids some, uh, a few hits off of a joint. I don't think that's a big freaking deal. I know that's, that's a yeah. controversial thing it to say. Right. I know that's a controversial thing right. to say, but and, I know, don't that's think why, that's a big deal. You know, even with adults, because, you know, as somebody who, you know, I also advocate for drier vaping, you know, because for yeah. people, you know, for not for smoking it, you know, for not burning it, you know, drier vaping works really wonderfully well for flour also. And, yeah. You know, I know for kids, you know, they, they do have like some of the dispensaries do have the where that can be done because they have a kind of a, I call it like a K cup. It's kind of not a K cup, but, you know, where the, where there are where the flour is already in the in the in the little capsule and then it can be drier vape that way. You know, yeah. so that is some way that people can use flour and a drier vapor in the pediatric population. But, you know, the. The thing about the, you know, and let's face it, not all people do well with the conversion of 9-delta um, um, THC to 11-hydroxy-THC that happens in the liver when you do an edible, when you swallow it, you know? And I so, like you know, I mean, some people do really well with it. I mean, other people don't, you know, other people, it's too intoxicating for them, you know? So, yeah. you know, but that's kind of why it's all about the education because, you know, when I talk to people about, well, hold it under your tongue, let it get absorbed sublingually or use a, a little lozenge or use a little dissolvable tablet or, you know, we can keep it in your mouth. So if, if that issue is there, you know, it's, it's only once the THC is swallowed does it go through the, all through the liver. But when, when you get... When when you inhale it, only a small part goes to the liver. When you orally absorb it, only a small amount goes to the liver. So uh -huh. a lot of it's about education. Would you also deal with, with a lot of kids with Crohn's? Yes. So, you know, and Crohn's is not a young pediatric issue. That's usually, a, you know, a, a, in a second decade of life or older issue. Um, yes. So, again, on the so that's where some oral products can be coming in very good. But, you know, if you've got belly pain, if you have nausea, whether it's from that, whether it's from chemo, whatever, two inhalations, three inhalations, and you know you're going to feel better before, you know, before you walk out the room, you know, type of thing. I mean, like, that is just so, and it's so consistent, you know? I mean, like, and most people don't need to, you know, the patients that I take care of, they don't really, you know, it's very rare do I hear people having to take, well, I need to take more and more and more and more of it in order to get the effect, you know? And then we talk to them about, you know, taking a couple-day holiday off to clear out the receptors if necessary. But most, I mean, it's very uncommon where parents, or, or you know, for that matter, for adults, where even people say, hey, this isn't enough, what you've, what you've authorized isn't enough, I need more. You know, mm -hmm. and in children, you know, usually low doses. I mean, I'm not, I don't see kids who are, um, you know, who are taking a, a concentrate or, you know, taking a rosin or a resin and, and putting up, you know, large amounts of it. You know, they're taking small not, amounts. Not a lot of kids yeah. dabbing, huh? Now, I'm yeah, give not you a, a lot of kids dabbing. I'm going to give you one of those hot seat questions. What do you think about naturopaths being certified as cannabis doctors? Ooh. 
Well, it's interesting because in the state of Florida, naturopaths can't practice anything. So you can't even be a naturopath in the state of Florida and be a practicing and be a practicing provider. So I would certainly think that that would in the state of Florida would need to be rectified before an, a naturopath could then be certifying for this because there is no naturopath. You, you, you can you can do nutritional counseling, as, but unlike in other states like in Oregon and in, in, in uh, Illinois, where naturopaths can um, actually be prescribers and ordering of tests, naturopaths can't even do that here. Yeah, that's so what you're talking of, about because I have people in yeah. Illinois who are talking about that right now, as a matter of fact. But uh, so I, I see that as, as one, one, one way that our, our dear legislators uh, might just go because we uh, – Ralph Masulo, who was the only doctor on the legislature last year, he didn't make the ballot this year. And so we're not going to have any doctors as legislators this year. Shit. And that, 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 that's, that's one more step away, and we're constantly finding that they want to insert themselves between the doctor and the patient relationship. There's going to be no medical professionals on the health committee this year, huh? Yeah, yeah that, that that is basic. <laughs> <laughs> Shit, <laughs> that that's gonna make things difficult. But it, it's gonna have to put some burden on uh, more doctors to step up and do and do more testifying and do more educating to legislate kind of situation. And I hope that you'll be you'll be available for a lot of these guys because oh yeah, I mean they they need it. They they do need it. I mean you know it's funny because obviously. You know, they had to pass those laws because of the fact that we, we we made it into our constitution when we voted for it. Okay, so but they have no idea what they're talking about, and so often with some of these um, regulations that they're putting in, I still cannot figure out what this change in the flower where there's this rolling mil, you know number of, of you know I, I don't understand <laughs> it. I mean, like either. the patients explain it to me, and I'm like, all like the best I can tell you is look at your look at your um. You know where you are in the registry and see how many ounces see you know how what you're allowed to get because i you know it was such a stupid idea right you know who is going to be you know with the hard if, stuff. if you can buy three and a half ounces i mean if, if, if i mean if you can buy two and a half ounces every every 35 days who's going to be a dealer what kind of profit margin is that person yeah. going to have i mean it's ridiculous <laughs> and then to make this rolling thing it just made it more difficult for patients and it, it just didn't make any sense to me why they would do that mm -hmm. but you know i mean even like certain things like they made it where you can you know, you're allowed to drive with a quarter pound, which, you know, whenever I tell that to, a, to an adult patient or a parent who knows about cannabis and I tell them that you're allowed to drive around with a quarter pound in your car, like you, I watch their face because usually their jaw will hit the ground. Like I can do what? I can drive around. And, and the thing is, but you can only buy two and a half ounces at a time. So that means I'm driving to a dispensary with an ounce and a half on me. In order to go buy two and a half ounces to hit that four ounces, it's like if I had an ounce and a half on me, why am I going to buy more? You know, so so it's just like some of these things, or or even just the fact that I have we have to document that every single patient if they're pregnant or not. So I'm asking the mothers of three year old boys if their child is pregnant. You know, we make we make a joke of it. You know, I mean, like we we laugh about it. You know, it's 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 ridiculous. You know, it's kind of like part of my part of my comedy routine that I do when I'm doing my uh, my certifications with people. Yeah, or or nothing. Asking a 95 year old woman if she's pregnant, right? You know, I mean, like you know, it's just it's just you know can't you know I mean I said to my lawyers can't I take the liberty of a penis as whether that makes a person pregnant or not? And and my lawyer's like, well, you have a good point, but the law says this. So you know, even like if the the, the informed consent form that every patient has to sign if you look at it there are absolute errors in it in fact they even skipped them i think on a b c d e g they skipped an f and i'm like can't i just fix that and my lawyer says they have to sign the form exactly the way that the legislators put it forward you know so just like silly things like that you know and parents a patient will catch it on oh you had a typo no not my typo it's the governor it's the government's uh typo there but i, I can't change it now you do know that that cannabis does elevate the libido so it is possible that they might not get pregnant, but uh, we, we've had a lot of uh, so, nursing homes that, 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 that have had some sexually transmitted diseases traveling around. It's so. a medical yeah. marijuana miracle. It's a medical marijuana miracle. It's like medical marijuana Jesus. There are some hot 95-year-olds out there at some of those nursing homes, so okay. I, 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 and, and be gentle because you know, they, they break easily. <laughs> but uh, we uh, have got to start moving forward to cover as many childhood diseases as possible. Now, you mentioned autism. It, it actually, right now, obviously, it, it is not one of the 10 prescribed diseases, and I've been trying to install it in there along with so many other types of diseases that we have not gotten in as qualifying diseases. What other childhood diseases do you see that need to be taken care of that are not currently uh, in the law that you have to okay. actually do some mental gymnastics around to get the kids their, their medicine? 
Right. Well, for me, it's not so much mental gymnastics because I have this all figured out. <laughs> okay. So, you know, yes, it would be nice for more um, diagnoses to be physically showing up there. But the similar kind or class law is a very open um, wording. And, you know, this is something, you know, when, when, the, when these laws came out, I bounced everything, not just off of my attorneys, but off of the Office of Medical Marijuana Use, because I wanted to make sure that I was doing things properly, okay? Now, bec when, because of, you know, the law says if there's a similar kind or class debilitating condition. So what I did at the very start of this is I looked, I said, well, what are the debilitating symptoms of PTSD? Anger, irritability, depression, insomnia, anxiety. So if a person, whether it's a child or an adult, has a similarly has debilitating insomnia or irritability or aggressiveness, they have a similar debilitating condition to PTSD. When I looked at multiple sclerosis, muscular pain, neurological pain, um, cancer patients, bone pain, there's even something called ADD-associated neurocognitive um, disorder. I'm sorry, I meant to say the HIV neurocognitive disorder, and if you look at the, the two main symptoms are attention and focus. So when I certify a patient, you know, and I have patients, and again, people think you're giving cannabis to patients for ADD, doesn't that make them more doped up? No, you don't understand cannabis, you don't understand how sativas work because it can be as a stimulant, you know, those stimulant medications that are out there. But I have people who are coming off of their stimulant medications who are using cannabis, and I explained to them, you know, well, that, that's how I made that happen. So realistically, when I went through the 10 diagnoses that were in there, you know, short of stub mitoitis, you know, you know, there, which is, of course, you know, not a thing, but any chronic debilitating condition actually falls within those 10 things. And so basically what I did is I created this database when this whole thing started, where I said, okay, this is the debilitating condition because we have to document how it's similarly debilitating. And we have to document how cannabis helps that other condition. But I went through PubMed. I created all this. I spent probably 100 hours doing this. But but basically there. So anybody who thinks that they're a child or that a patient cannot be certified, if they have a, cert a qualifying condition, they don't understand. They just do not understand what this law is about because, you know, I, it's just a matter of clicking. And, you know, I, I have it all templated in my charting system, so it's just a matter of clicking through. So for me, while I would love to see those other conditions, sickle cell, that would be another perfect example. And the reason why I think that those diagnoses should still be there is about awareness because not every single family who has a child with autism or with sickle cell or, or these other things are going to necessarily know that it's even available in the first place because it's not in the list when they look. Now, if they actually ask me about it because they or they research on my webpage, they'll find it. But they, you know, so that's why I think it needs to be up there. But it's not inhibiting my ability to treat those children or those patients. And and that that helps to to, to clarify a lot of things. Carlos, do you have any other questions right now? Um, you look like you were getting ready to say something, and I'm gonna cut you off. No, I was uh, I was just getting ready to just, like get into the motion of uh, this other thing here. But uh, <laughs> um, so, Dr. Berger. Yeah. So let me ask you. Right. I'm just going to go ahead and do. I was planning on like texting you after the show this, but I might as well just do this uh, sure. on, on the you show. Does that have to do with atheism? Uh, no, no. It doesn't have anything okay. to do with, <laughs> with uh, your God, Gary. Uh, <laughs> but. Oh, my God. <laughs> no. Um, no, so uh, so one of the things that Gary actually worked on uh, this past legislative se uh, session is employee protection rights, right? And uh, he, you know, uh, uh, unfortunately, like the legislator, like literally booted out of like, isn't that what happened? They like yeah. just booted off of the floor. They didn't even vote. But um, but that, that's one of the things that our our specific uh, normal chapter is involved in, right? Um, and and um, we so to clarify, we want to make sure that uh, medical marijuana patients aren't uh, hindered on their right to have a job. Um, so, as a business owner, right? Yeah. Um, I I actually have this uh, instituted here that we we do uh, uh, pay for uh, employee uh, employees to get their medical marijuana cards. So you want to be our official doctor. 
Yeah, well, you know, yeah. I mean, we do that, you know, and obviously, you know, even in my office here, because I do have, you know, we, we do have um, patients, I mean, staff members of mine who um, are patients, you know, and, uh, you know, we don't do any kind of drug testing in our office. You know, we, mm. we, we, we look at the quality of a person's work and how they're doing and if they're slacking, you know, we're kind of a big family in our office and there's a very teammate approach. So if somebody's slacking, it's going to be known. But, you know, but from, you know, obviously, you know, it, it does bring some kind of interesting questions because, you know, if somebody said to me, hey, I don't necessarily know that I want my, my neurosurgeon ripping a bunch of bong hits before they start operating on my brain, you know, mm. or, my, or, my, or my pilot or whatever like that, right? You know, um, and so I, I understand how some people would be like not cool with certain professions, you know, when making those types of, with those types of things, you know, so I, I understand it, that, that, that other here's side the, of things. Here's the thing, though, and I, I'm, I'm probably going to say exactly what you're about to say, but... Uh, for me, it depends on the person that's the pilot, right? If the pilot, the pilot might be better off ripping off a bong hit before they they get off into the air. And if that's the particular case, right? Like I'm all for them hitting the bong hit. And one of the best ways to decide if they're that type of person is if a, a medical doctor has decided that already, right? So uh, I, quite honestly, I think if, uh, if a pilot has a medical marijuana card and consumes medical marijuana responsibly before they get into the air, I have no issue with that. I guess I'm just like a very liberal-minded pothead. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> because it's you know, uh, it, it, more weed be, for everybody. Yeah. Everybody smoke weed, kids and pilots. <laughs> there you go. That should be your T-shirt. You should make a kids and pilots T-shirt with the big with the big cannabis bottom of it. Right um, but that's the logo behind you. That you know, and you're talking about changing the logo. Maybe that should be what it is. But uh, All right. um, yeah, you know, but would you want your pilot to be high or drunk? Oh and well, that's always well, say, Can you go somewhere yeah. in the middle? That's well. That's that's the most patently. It, obvious question to me. In fact, you know, I mean, I've even talked to families and I've lectured about that. You know, if if God forbid. I had to run to the hospital. Got from a family member was there. I, I wasn't capable of driving because I was too up. And and there was somebody there who had just drank, and someone there who had just smoked pot. Whose car would I want to get in? Well, there's no answer about that. You know, that's the easiest mm -hmm. question because, you know, yes, of course, driving while intoxicated is still driving while intoxicated, and that's still illegal. But we also know that the type of effects that cannabis have on people it doesn't make them sloppy. It doesn't make them speed up. In fact, it slows them down, and kind of their senses are more aware of it. You know, so, mm -hmm. you know, obviously, you know, certainly people should not be using their cards and driving and doing it because that is an illegal thing. So people should know that. Does that mean that there are a lot of people out there who do? Of course, there are a lot of people out there who do that, and that's their own call. That's between them and their maker, right? You know, mm. so you know, but I, but I could, I could also understand why people who don't understand this as much would have a problem with it. You know, yeah. I mean, let's face it. I mean, I do know people who, you know, I've seen people who are heavily under the influence of cannabis that they really couldn't get off the couch. You know, I mean, yeah. I've seen that happen before. I've seen people who have taken too much of it. I mean, I, I had a patient once who, um. Depends who, on the person. Um, yeah, it does depend on the person. But what are, I mean, are, are we going to do a proficiency test beforehand? Are we? I mean, should we? Are we going to do flight? I mean, flight simulators where okay, so you can you, you you're allowed to fly with it if you pass this flight simulator test. I mean, like you know, I, I can see that thing. That, that does, get, that does yeah. get controversial. Yeah, um, right. But I do know that there there are people out there who are so regularly chronically depressed and regularly chronically fatigued that if they don't have a sativa in their system, they're not feeling normal. Right at that point in time. And I think that that's, that's probably what, what Carlos was getting at. There are certain people who are, are at their most productive and most normal and most happy when they do actually have a certain level of active cannabinoid action in, in their body at that point in time. You know what, guys? I saw a movie called Soul Plane, and that was a smart <laughs> movie. And Snoop Dogg was the pilot of Soul Plane, and he was smoking blunts all up in that motherfucker. <laughs> Granted, he died in that movie, but... <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I, I've got a question that I've been hesitating to ask. That's right? what I was hoping for you. Yeah. All right. So this here here's a okay. So here's what I do for a living, Dr. Berger. I own Chillum. I own a hemp store, right? Uh-huh. Um, and quite honestly, one of my one of the biggest uh, uh parts of our revenue is people that are substituting hemp with medical marijuana, right? How do you feel about that? People who are you know well, substituting Delta eight and, uh, you know, TACP, CBD, CBG from the head yeah. plant. Yeah. So I, in my practice, use a lot of CBD, CBG and CBN. 
I, um, yeah. I it, it's you know it's part of my educational process. I, I I do carry those products in my office. I don't carry Delta Eight in my practice, um, and haven't done that much with it because the, you know, obviously as a physician um, and my medical license on the line there, there are certain things that I'm will that I you know if I was just like an owner of a store like you, I wouldn't have the, nearly the same level of concern. But you know, I'm I'm definitely. To me, the, the, the Delta 8 is a gray enough area that I, I wouldn't want to stake my medical license in my career and helping the tens of thousands of people that I do because of that. Um, but I will tell you, my, my use of, CB, of CBN for sleep, I mean, I've been taking CBN myself for, for almost two years now, and it is the thing that has helped me sleep better than anything I've ever taken before. And bringing yeah, in, yeah, bringing in CBG, yeah, C, CBG, bringing it in, um, you know, I tell, because, you know, one of the things when I educate people, now granted, I have people who come into me who they've been using cannabis forever. They just want to be legit. They want to get a clean product, et cetera. But I have a lot of patients, at least half who have never used cannabis in their life. And this is even for adults. And so when part of my education with them is I always say to them, you know, you might want to see what benefit you'll get from the non-THC cannabinoids because I've seen lots of people who do perfectly well just with that. And so to educate people on and how to properly bring it in, you know, milligrams, how, how I'm making jumps every several days. Um, I, I'm talking, p- telling people how to um, how to log what they're doing, you know, keeping a spreadsheet where they're how many milligrams, what product they're taking, the effects from a one to five for their insomnia, for their anxiety, for whatever. But I'll, I have a lot of people. If CBD alone doesn't work, I say if if you're if you want to bring in THC, then with the THC, you know, recognizing that the CBD lowers the intoxicating effects of CB of the THC, I have a lot. Of people who don't necessarily want to be getting high, okay? They want to be functional. They want yeah. to be better. They want to be happy. They want to um, lose their pain, but they don't necessarily want to be high. And so I'll explain that if you bring the CBD in first and then you bring the THC in second, you're more than likely be more able to tolerate it, and you'll be able to take higher amounts of THC to be therapeutic without blasting yourself, which is of course important. But I have some patients who say I really still I only want to use THC as a last as a as, you know if another if nothing else is going to work. You know, adding CBG into CBD, I find for anxiety and depression can be, and for some pain syndromes, can be phenomenal. So, um, you know, it's, you know, I realize that most physicians don't know, barely know how to spell CBG, um, <laughs> you know, or THC or all these things that we're talking about here. But I've educated myself, and I tell, I tell people I can do med management. You know, if, if a family tells me um, or a patient tells me, hey, this is what's working for me. This is not what's working for me. This is how I'm feeling. This is how I want to do better. I can do med management <laughs> cannabis using the dispensary products, using the hemp-based products, the way that most physicians – do pharmaceutical med management, whether it's the epileptic doctors or the or the depression doctors, you know, the anxiety doctors. Um, I can, you know, I can do med management that way. I tell a family, if you tell me the details of what you're doing, and I can, I'll give you myself a nine out of ten chance that I can make a better recommendation, whether a different route of a, a different product, a different route of administration, the way you're dosing it. I can almost always get things better if you let me know where you're at. Very cool. Now, you, you have a holistic approach in your clinic, which is different from a lot of doctors. And so obviously, CBD and, and THC are not the only type of, of phyto uh, medicines that you, you deal with in regards to bringing your patient to, to wellness. What other things do you add on to those kind of things so I can, we give a pitch to all the, the herbalists out there who have their own stores as well? Yeah, so um, some of the things – so I, I do a lot of work with gut health. Okay. And so, um, you know, not just even yeah. herbs themselves, but there are certain herbs, you know, so I do a lot of fecal testing to look for things like candida and, and pathological bacteria, parasites, of which there are certainly are, are, are herbal products that I can use for that. Um, you know, I do a lot of work, you know, in terms of like focusing, you know, I know a lot of doctors will throw probiotics so, at people, which I've done, but I do a lot of with, with fermented foods and inulin and, you know, really trying to get the gut health right and do a lot of other testing for things like vitamin D levels and zinc levels. And I optimize everybody to the middle part of range, which I think is really important, not just barely scraping by on those tests too. So I have- So you have uh, a positive side of, the shitty, of a shitty practice. <laughs> I, I actually have- uh, No, that's a good practice. That's not what I'm talking about. Yeah. Go back and listen to the other part. I have an employee here chilling that that has an undiagnosed uh, 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 gut disorder. Uh, Celiac? No idea what it is. No idea what it is. All right. Um, but honestly, she's seen a lot of, she's seen a lot of, uh, uh, I, I introduced her to our CBG products and, and now she's like recommending it for like everything. <laughs> um, she, she's seen a lot of, uh, a lot of relief with it and, uh, uh, it, it's, it's helped her out quite a bit. Um, I, I got a question for you, man. So are you familiar with how Delta 8's made? Not completely. 
Okay, Somewhat. so the way Delta Eight is derived from hemp is uh, uh, essentially there, it's an acid bath. So you, uh, an acid is introduced to uh, CBD, right? Um, and then the acid, the the remaining cannabinoid, the delta eight cannabinoid, is converted, and uh, the, all this acid has to be distilled out of the mixture, right? So it is a pretty dangerous process if it's done poorly, right? And and you were saying that you haven't really done anything with delta eight in your practice, and I was wondering if that was the reason why. Well, th that and the fact that. Um... Again, well, part of it, again, is just kind of like the gray area, you know, mm -hmm. that, you know, I know that, you know, when it came with the, um, with the, with the farm bill and the hemp laws and kind of, you know, it didn't specifically sell Delta 9 THC and that's where people are doing it from. Um, but that, that's kind of like really why I just haven't been able to, ex why I haven't explored it that much just because of the fact that I'm trying to stick within products that are within the realm of uh, what I know I'm allowed to be doing for sure. So, it's just, it's that, so actually, uh, the Florida Department of Agriculture recently has uh, made uh, some pretty uh, close distinctions on what type of THC you're actually allowed to be using in Florida, right? And Delta-8 is actually okay, um, but they have issues like if you if it undergoes this process, this acid bath, and I, I sound like I'm hating on my best-selling product right now, but <laughs> um, honestly, I mean, it's safe if it's done correctly, but, but it, you know, you, that's, that's the reason why you need to have a good source. I think but. it's also because like, there's, there's isomers out there that are being created along with the, the Delta-8 that they're not certain what they are and, and what they might affect, how they might affect the entourage effect. Yes. Right. Yeah. Now that, that said, I'm going to, I have to <laughs> take, a, take a break for a second. Uh, I live over well, mostly hold, chapel. Hold, hold, hold on, Gary. Right, I know, I'll wait, I know I'll wait. you're waiting for this, but I, I, Go ahead. I've got my, my thing queued up. I, I actually, so the, the, floor, I wouldn't want to stop your thing there, from being queued up. More, uh, there's more cannabinoids out there with THC being sold uh, as hemp products, right? And uh, the Department of Agriculture actually has come out saying that uh, t uh, a cannabinoid that's been called THCO uh, is illegal in Florida. Um, and um, there, it really isn't hasn't been like a lot of like shit given out. As as a matter of fact, when my inspector was in here and uh, basically telling me not to carry TCO anymore, uh, she couldn't give me a reason why. All she could do is like show me an email saying that to tell me that it was. Um, so it there it, it was pretty weird, and I contacted uh, a, a media uh, uh, outlet, Fox Thirteen, um, that you know I've done a lot of work with in the past. And uh, they were gearing up to uh, put out a story. I'm not sure if the, uh, if the story is actually going to come out now. I don't think that it might have been that there's not enough information for an actual story. But the <laughs> Department of Agriculture gave them a statement as to why TCO is illegal. Um, and um, it's, a, it's a pretty long statement, but I'm not going to read the whole thing out. But basically, they're saying that the, ad the addition of an acetate to TCO to delta ATC, right, makes it a controlled substance. That's essentially what they're saying, right? Um, are you familiar with acetates? Like, are, isn't it used in most medicines? Um, not necessarily. I mean, in the well, first of all, I, in not terms of if you're talking about in terms, well, if you're asking about in the, in the terms of the pharmaceutical making product, um, I really wouldn't know that much about that because I, you know, certainly really? did my 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 one semester of pharmacology um, from that perspective in terms of how things are made back in medical school almost 30 years ago. Um, so <laughs> so I'm I'm actually not as as versed as to how pharmaceuticals are made either. <laughs> Oh really? Um, uh, I mean, it, it, that's that's cool. I understand that. I just like, I it, quite honestly, it's like very confusing. Um, uh, and I was I was hoping maybe like uh, we could get more clarity on it. Uh, I I mean, it's it's my understanding that acetates are like made like in in like a lot of like over the counter. Like I I believe aspirin has an acetate in it. Um, so I'm not like I I don't know necessarily what's going on with hemp right now, and I yeah, as a radical, I guess we're just gonna leave it confused. <laughs> as a radical, acetate can can change properties of almost any chemical. The question is whether it does it for the positive side or the negative side. Okay. So is that what they're like? I guess that's what they're saying. Then it's like we. Don't that's essentially. I mean, a lot of vitamins we, 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 we are acetates as well, so we have to have to kind of gauge that as far as that's concerned. Okay. Now you you dealt with a lot of gut things. You also deal with a lot of changes in diet. 
as far as far as treating uh, childhood diseases? Oh yeah, absolutely. So besides you know, celiac, yeah. Well, so my practice is really based upon teaching people how to use whole foods. If you can't pronounce the words on the package label, you should you be putting it into your body in the first place? You know, keeping to, to the outside of the of the supermarket more so than the inside the the inside aisles. Um, but there's so many issues. I mean, a lot of my patients who have dairy issues. A lot of my patients, you know, I mean, I I, I advocate for organic foods. I advocate for high intake of fruits and vegetables. I mean, every you know, I'm also a huge advocate of breastfeeding from the beginning. Um, you, you know, 99% of our patients are breastfeeding from the beginning, and I'd say at least 80%, if not more, are nursing past six months of age, which of course is a very important part of the um, of of setting a proper nutrition, setting the gut uh, the gut balance in the first place. So, you know, I, I really you know focus a lot on on high fiber foods and making sure people are well hydrated and and, uh, and just making sure that they're getting all the different colors of the vegetables in their system. And we know that that, that that's a good way of kind of knowing that you're getting all the different types of nutrients as well. Because no, I I advocate for breastfeeding through most of life. That's besides the point. But uh, there, I was I was going to mention the fact that uh, in Wesley Chapel, where I live, they have a, a new store over here, and these guys are friends of, of Vinny's, who have not offered to sponsor our show yet. So I might not even want to show the product, but I'm going to anyway. That they actually are creating some some Delta Eight cookies here. The place is called Higher Flower, which is kind of a cute name. Here's 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 a box that I got for Father's Day. Of samples and they actually have the yeah they actually have cookies that are made from from ube and, and matcha so they're, they're trying to get into a holistic approach to uh, to edibles along with having delta 8 and i gotta tell you my my wife who uh, usually uses uses a cbg for her the uh, pressure in her glaucoma i found that that she actually did get some relief from the red velvet cookies huh, it might be the white chocolate I don't know, <laughs> or it might be the the, uh, the Delta Eight. We, I guess that 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 is is out, but we don't have a uh, a clinical study to be able to study that. But uh, no, no, yeah, we, well, let's face it, we don't have. We, that's the thing that we are needing the most of are a lot of clinical studies done the right way, you know. And of course, I know we haven't talked much about you know where we are with the scheduling of cannabis and being able to research it, and the fact that you know we really need to deschedule this completely, not just lower the schedule down because we don't want big farmer getting their paws into this and screwing every everything else up you know we should be descheduling this completely you know the fact that the government has declared that as a schedule 1 that there's no medical benefit whatsoever to it is the biggest one of the biggest farces that i've ever heard i mean just like for the amount of studies that have been out there to say that there's no medical benefit for it i mean it's like you guys need to use some of it yourself and you can see i mean as a child of of dr spock uh, I, I dealt with uh, a number of uh, issues that they've done in regards to the feeding of children over the years, going uh, to formulas uh, and then staying away from milk-based formula, going to, to breastfeeding and things of that sort. And it, sometimes I think they're just experimenting with kids to see you know, which generation is going to be smarter or stupider from the previous one and see if that actually changed yeah. in regards to diet is concerned. Right. To, to see some way that we could actually get control of this thing. Like one thing that they talk about oftentimes is kids and sugar, specifically uh, sucrose in regards to whether or not that, that does affect uh, behavior, if it affects development. What is your opinion on that? Yeah, well, it, it's, it's so much, you know, when a person takes a, a basic sugar as opposed to a complex carb, we know what it does to their internal sugar levels. We know what it does to their insulin levels. And we know that that kind of that's shocking the, the pancreas, the effect that it has on the adrenal glands, the fact that the effect that it has, you know, on our cortisol production, et cetera. All of those things that are all part of our homeostasis um, are, are going to be bothered by that. So, you know, that's why I always talk about, you know, whole grains, complex carbohydrates, you know, as, a, as opposed to simple. But I mean, you know, it, it's just, you know, in our practice, you know, when I want to, you know, people are, are patients aren't eating pop tarts you know our, our patients aren't chugging sugar um sodas i mean my neither of my children have ever you know my my, my children are now 19 and, and 13 and they've never had a they've never had soda in their life you know um you know in fact, problem, it, it, yeah <laughs> yeah in fact my my son benjamin didn't know that that mcdonald's actually had like hamburgers he thought they just had bathrooms until he was about eight years old because like when we were on the road you know like if you ask benjamin like what do, what do you what do you know what do they have at, at, at mcdonald's they would he would say a bath uh, uh, uh they have bathrooms there he had no idea that they had other food that they 
they have food there even. But you know, I remember even there was a fourth, there was a Macy's Thanksgiving parade, and Ronald McDonald, the big blow up doll, came around, and both of my kids looked at this, and they had no idea what that was and they were like what the <laughs> hell is that and like well and i knew it was i'm like what do you think it is and they're like my and my daughter at the time i think she was five or six and she's like is it supposed to be some creepy clown i'm like yeah that's what it is it's a creepy clown <laughs> but uh, uh yeah right but uh yeah so you know it all depends on how we raise our children you know from the very beginning you know um and and how we educate them and and and, and how we feed them you know let's face it and, and how we also are ourselves so i mean yeah i don't eat pop tarts either you know it wouldn't be a great role model if i was eating pop tarts and tell my kid don't eat pop tarts uh, well yesterday we decided for some odd reason to, start, to start watching old episodes yes, of time. star trek <laughs> The original series, and so I realized bad. that was my comfort food. I mean, you think we weren't eating anything, but just watching that, I got more of a comfort food feeling than I did with going back and buying one of those pop tarts, which I now know are you know they're being frosted with a with a paintbrush by kids kids working at minimum wage. So we <laughs> stopped using pop tarts years ago. But there, but there are other comfort foods besides foods, basically. Yes, there you go. And, 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 and we need to also concentrate on the, on the exercise portion of what, what goes on with kids right now because too many of them are sitting there with a phone or a, a, a video game in their hands and the television in front of them and not actually letting their legs and arms move beyond just the buttons. Yeah. And let's face it, being in, like, you know, when everybody went into lockdown and with the pandemic, that certainly didn't help because that put them more on screens and that made them less active, less getting out with their friends. So, yeah, let alone the mental health aspects. So we can do a whole ex episode on what the how COVID has screwed us up way beyond the health as the physical health aspects of things. That's a that's a topic so you, itself. So you saw that yeah. in your patients as well, a, 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 a shift in uh, in uh, mental disease states. Um. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's, it, it was very, you know, the pandemic was very, very tough for a lot of the kids with autism because they couldn't go to their therapies anymore. They couldn't go to their class. They were just at home on the couch all day long. But even, you know, you know, when all the when all the sports were closed down and when all the clubs were closed down and all of that and the schools were closed down, they were and, you know, they they lost their social skills. You know, I mean, they, they lost their 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 they didn't develop the social skills that that's kids. But. But the mental health of the of of children in the pediatric population through the pan as as a result of COVID is one of the biggest things that we're dealing with now. And we, we, we there's so much uh, locked up in the in the human mind that we need to to release. Yeah. And I'm hoping that that if we do have a next generation that is eating well and exercising better. And actually, doing things that to help expand their minds more, even even as far as microdosing is concerned, it would be better for developmental health. Now, you know, my wife is blind, and she has what is called uh, Charles Bonnet syndrome, which is a very unusual thing. Where, what if you lose your your eyesight late in life, in, in absence of actual data coming into the visual cortex, uh, it, it takes. Uh, stuff from the memory cortex and throws it into the visual cortex. So she sees like a projected picture of things in her in her mind that go on 24-7. Patterns, uh, pictures of things she'd seen in the, in the past, and they all kind of jumble together and her, the, her mind basically determines what she's seeing 24-7. She doesn't see blackness. She hmm. sees this, this whole rigmarole. So what she's trying to do right now is trying to put these things on canvas because she used to do artwork uh, before she lost her eyesight. And it's it's yielding some very interesting results. I mean, I don't know if you can see this very well. I probably should have brought this in, but this is a uh, uh, here we go. This is a, yeah. a charcoal drawing that she was doing yesterday, and it's not that bad considering it's it's all muscle memory. Yeah. yeah. And, and that kind of situation. So I'm hoping that <clears throat> as you as you look at kids and and try to figure out how can we get these guys to develop. I think that is so important, and why pediatric use of cannabis is so important. Because the next generation is the one where we really have to be can <coughs> take charge of because eventually they'll be taking care of us. Yeah, no doubt. God knows we're not doing a good job about the other, other way around right now. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> well, on that note, Dr. Greger, yes. we've come to the end of the program. Um, <laughs> you know, so there's a closing end segue to that statement. So, uh, you know, I mean, uh, one that's not depressing, I guess. I'm, yes. I'm just depressed in a non depressing <laughs> way. We'll work on it after. I'll give you a cookie. Could you please <laughs> go ahead, look into your camera, and tell our, our viewers and our listeners uh, uh, again who you are and how they can find you and how they can support you? Yes. And where so to find I'm your podcast? 
<laughs> yeah, so so my, my 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 YouTube channel, as you can see, on the um is is Dr. David MD. That is my YouTube channel. Um, I I have several different shows there. Your Health, Your Choice is one of them. Um, I do an Ask Dr. David. I do an Ask Dr. David live once a month. Um, where I'm doing Dr. David reacts to like interesting things that are going on there. My my actual my 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 practice itself for my primary care and my consultative care is holistic. Family Care Holistic, spelled with a W, holisticfamilycare.com. And my medical cannabis is Holistic Relief, R, as you can see there, R-E-L-E-A-F, holisticrelief.com. And that's how you can get a hold of me. All right. Anything you got to say, Gary? Uh, hopefully I, we can get back in contact with you, David, because I know that right now we're having issues with uh, people having access to the uh, to the COVID vaccine for children under five. Our, our Surgeon General seems to uh, be opposed to it and trying to make certain that it's it's just less accessible as it could possibly be. <clears throat> but maybe we can uh, do something together to, re to resolve that because, like, again, we got to take care of our kid. Our future and our kids can be affected. Yeah. And we thank you for all your work. And hopefully we'll, we'll, we'll get you over to Tallahassee this year and, and educate the legislate. Yeah, they certainly, certainly, certainly do need it. Not only is Gary and the Wu-Tang Clan for the children, but if you're interested in becoming a member of Suncoast Normal, yes, um, all we have you, to do is go to. You always got that gold pin on there, so I show it off. It. Yes, it's on the other side. It's on the other time. side today. Yeah. I, I changed that quickly. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I, I show this off at the supermarket. I get I get a lot of strange looks, which is good because at least now it's for a reason. So we've been doing this <laughs> since 2014. <laughs> Um, one of the oldest legalization groups in Florida, uh, the and the local, most politically active, the most politically active, of course. And, uh, as far as, uh, you know, uh, the national chapter, the oldest, you know, and, uh, biggest cannabis legalization group. Um, I don't know. I'm not doing a good job this time, but, uh, become a member of Suncoast Normal. You yep. get a gold leaf pin. You can be, get 25% uh, off here at Chillum Hemp Dispensary and Glass Gallery. Um, you get a lot of benefits. Uh, you know, we'll have an event coming up soon, so, sooner or later. And, and you can join uh, us in Tallahassee, too. You can join us in Tallahassee. What's going and, on and, in and, and, and rock the world. We, we did get at least one bill out this last session that makes uh, dispensaries have to open up within two years, not to sit on their licenses. Which is good because that we need more competition, so we need better, lower prices and a higher, better, better profit. And I'm telling you, you, you legislators, you gotta start listening to us, guys, because we do have high friends in low places. <laughs> high friends in high places. And being as we as we have good high friends, and you guys are usually in low places, uh, you you understand the threat to you. So confused. Just Absolutely. become a member of Suncoast Normal. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. This has been The Rotation, and you have been a part of it. You can be a bigger part of it by joining Suncoast Normal. Suncoast Normal is an organization that can help you make the change that we all need. Go to the Suncoast Normal website and become a member. Because that is how you become part of the change. You can find the Rotation podcast on both SoundCloud and iTunes. But you can always join us in the Rotation at suncoastnormal.org. At that very website, you can join the cannabis movement by becoming a member of Suncoast Normal, gain access to cannabis events, cannabis info, Normal's legal network, and even a free membership to National. All by joining Suncoast Normal. That website again is suncoastnorml.org. You can also find us on social media at Suncoast Normal. Uh, find us on both Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And thank you, Gary. And good night. Good night.